Hey guys, welcome back to the Naked Marriage Podcast. We are Dave and Ashley Willis. And on this podcast, we address the truth about sex, intimacy, and lifelong love. And we have got an awesome episode for you all today. Yeah, it's a great topic. You know, marriage triggers those little things that can just trigger an angry response and keep you in a perpetual cycle of, of negativity or conflict. Yes. And our friends Guy and Amberlea have written a new book on that topic. It's called Marriage Triggers, and they have graciously agreed to do an interview with us today to, to just have a conversation Yes. with some really practical tools mm-hmm. that I think are going to help you and your spouse because every couple has some marriage triggers and learning to to navigate them well makes all the difference. So let's dive into today's conversation. Hey friends, I have a new ad partner that I think you're going to love because I already love them. And that is Stitch Fix. Stitch Fix sends style so good that you can feel it. They deliver all the confidence that comes with a truly amazing outfit without any of the work. With Stitch Fix, you get a stylist who understands your style, your size, and your budget, and they do all the shopping for you. It's the easiest way to transform your wardrobe. I feel like they just get me. They like do get they, you. They just knew what would look right on me, it's, and I hate taking stuff out. Yes. So it's like Christmas when you open that box and you're like, how did you know? Exactly. It is Christmas, and I cannot wait till my next one. So go ahead, take the leap, do Stitch Fix, get your own personal stylist, and feel as bougie as we do these days using Stitch Fix, but not for a crazy price because they get your budget. Get started today at stitchfix.com slash naked. That's stitchfix.com slash N-A-K-E-D. Stitchfix.com slash naked. Guys, I am so very excited to be interviewing this couple. I actually just recently got to meet Amber in person, and she is even more lovely in person. I just, I'm telling you, they both have such wisdom. We are going to talk about marriage triggers today. So welcome, Amber and Guy. Thank you. Yes, thank you for having so us. So happy to be on the on with you guys. Yeah, we, we are so excited about this topic too, because in the work that we do, we see all the time the triggers that couples have, these mm-hmm. little things that, that, that seemingly are little that end up causing these huge outbursts, these huge emotional responses. And when we don't get to the root of them and don't identify them and work through them in a healthy way, uh, it can really, really cause a lot of trouble. I mean, even King Solomon said in the Bible, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. You know, sometimes yeah. we're looking for these huge, big things in marriage, like an affair. And of course, that's something that we should safeguard against. But often what kind of creates the most tension in a marriage, it's these little foxes. It's these little triggers. It's these little nitpicky things or these little things that happen that might expose old wounds or old yeah. habits. It's just so hard to work through. And and the way that you guys in your research and in your book um, kind of give couples real tools to navigate that, I just think is so healthy and something every couple could benefit from. Yeah, thank right. you. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, you, you mentioned, Dave, that there are these little things that really can build and, and become big issues, bigger issues. And it's so true. Guy and I experienced that in our own marriage. And when I first started studying about anger and frustration as a, as a mom, um, which is where the Lord really began to work and transform me, I began to have a mind shift about all of these triggers, that these triggers could do one of two things. They could definitely cause anger, frustration, conflict, um, a lack of peace in my parenting or in my marriage, or I could start viewing them as how I think God wanted me to actually view them, which was opportunities. Oh, that yeah. these triggers would become actually opportunities for me 
to grow and for my children to grow and for my husband to grow, that it was really God saying to me, um, okay, you're, you're starting to get impatient and aggravated. This is an opportunity for you, Amber, to grow in patience, to learn ways to use these circumstances to refine you and to grow you and to actually make both your parenting relationship and even your marriage relationship stronger as a result. So when I started looking at these triggers, these little things more in a, in a positive light as to how God could use them to change my life, really everything changed in my relationships and my home as well. I love that. I love that. And I, I love how, you know, especially when it comes to these triggers and what and the message of your book is that we don't have to just allow our reactions to kind of rule our home, like our feelings and our reactions rule our home, that we have more control over these things and that God and the Holy, the Holy Spirit specifically will help to lead us to have better reactions. And so like for you guys in particular, you've been married 14 years, you have four boys. Dave likes to, to say you're part of Club Quattro having four kids and not only that, but four, four <laughs> voice. It's like, you know, I I love being able to talk to you all because I feel like we can relate on so many levels. But, you know, in your, in your early years of marriage, what in particular, like what were those triggers that really got you all? Yeah, I I guess I'll I'll jump in. I, I, I really felt like I always thought when I was getting married that I was prepared for Mm -hmm. being married and prepared for being a parent. And I think that early on I found well, I mean, Amber and I, we we got pregnant within three months or so after wow. our, our uh, marriage. Mm-hmm. So we literally went from trying to be a married couple into switching our focus completely towards parenting. Yeah. And for me, that was a really, really sudden and big shift for me that I was ill-prepared for. So um, instead of uh, really having a, a strong foundation built going into that, um, I, I didn't do that. And so I became someone who reacted to the things that were happening versus being prepared with the responses that I would need when situations came up. And that even means I, we didn't even get to do marriage counseling because of a number of different things that kind of fell apart. So we didn't have an opportunity to talk out a lot of issues, not just the basics, not just the um, you know, finances and sex and, you know, right. some of these things that are really common uh, talked about in premarital counseling. But those other things about like parenting, like how do we parent differently or what is what does it look like um, to make the sacrifice of being a parent to you and, and what is your vision and what are you bringing into the relationship? So instead of being prepared with responses and ready for those things, I just reacted to very to many of these things. And a lot of times, I kind of shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that was one of the big problems early on in our relationship was that I was unable to communicate my feelings with Amber. And I just tried to put one foot in front of the other and just tried to, you know, survive in, in many ways. You know, I think you touched on something that's so true. You know, not everyone responds to stress or responds to frustration the same way. Like for some, it is an outburst, it's yelling, you know, but for others, it's the shutting down and both can cause a lot of problems in marriage because either one, you know, it can, if you're yelling at each other, it can be really toxic and it's disrespectful and it's hurtful. But also if you're shutting down, it becomes a cold place. It becomes a place of disconnection instead of connection. And so, yeah, I love that. And I know that there's people listening who are totally relating to the whole parenting thing. I mean, 
Dave and I. Yeah, that, that was part of our story. That, that, that was honestly one of our marriage triggers for a long time. Big, big, uh, yeah. I would say a big one that we had such different personalities as it related to how we yeah. should discipline the kids and how we, you know, I was, I was the yes man. Like I would end up <laughs> saying yes to everything. And so they would, they would ask me stuff, you know, intentionally not asking her. And so then when I would say yes, not really thinking through it, and then because you're just nicer than well, me, I'm not nicer than you. I'm just I'm I'm, I'm wimpier than you. Is no, the thing. no, no, no. But it created a lot of tension. We had to eventually we connected with a mentor couple, mm-hmm. um, which helped us a lot to work through that. It's like let's find someone who's doing this that we're struggling with, mm-hmm. doing it in a healthy way that's right. further along, and that that really helped us a lot. So I think that parenting issue, I can see there can be a lot of a lot of marriage triggers within that. I, I love the research that you guys had in your book where you identified 31 very common marital issues that can be triggers for folks and give and and give practical examples of how to work through it and and very common types of triggers like poor communication, lack of spiritual leadership, busy schedules, different parenting styles. What do you feel like are the ones that in the work that you're doing uh, that you see are are maybe some of the most common and maybe the most kind of like under underreported, you know, maybe things people don't really look at as a trigger. They just think it's part of life and it's mm-hmm. something they're going to have to deal with. But but what are some of those things that you wish you could point to and say, okay, every couple beware of these few triggers that if you let them keep going, mm-hmm. it's it's going to potentially cause a lot of pain down the road. Well, we really do. We, we spent years um, talking with couples and just working through our own marriage relationships. But also, you know, I I'd first written a book for parenting triggers. And so as a result of that, everywhere I went, I would hear parents say, okay, this has really transformed my parenting toward more gentle biblical parenting, but I just need something for my marriage um, that really speaks specifically to these issues. And for Guy and I, and and we we write one of the chapters in the book is when you're married to a backseat driver. I mean, some of our most (laughs) common fights happened (laughs) Because we were in the car on the way somewhere, and I was a backseat driver. I admit, I, 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 was I testified. Or is. <laughs> you and Ashley can start a support group. Yes, yes. We're not saying, we're not saying that we have fixed all of these triggers in our yes, in our marriage, but we now have the tools still, to deal with them. Yeah, so that's we know how is. to respond to them instead of react. But even that's things awesome. like you know backseat driving can be an issue. But really, honestly, I think one of the root issues for um, throughout the book that we address the issue of communication mm-hmm. in many of the chapters. So there is a specific chapter on communication in particular. And that was clearly an issue for Guy and I, and I think it's an issue for many. I've run into a lot of um, women who typically are afraid of confrontation with their spouse, with their husband. They are unwilling to gently biblically confront them on issues. And likewise, those conversations are difficult. Even if you're not afraid of confrontation, it's not a pleasant thing. And we've only got so many hours in the day. So who really wants to spend your evening um, getting into it about these different issues? So we know that even just the opportunity to have time to talk through some of these issues is an obstacle for a lot of couples in dealing with anger and frustration. So one of the things that Guy and I lay out just on a practical sense, you know, we work together a lot. Guy and I are together a lot. So we have many opportunities to talk and communicate now. But when we were first married, our hours were very different. Uh, He worked long hours in the entertainment industry. I was a teacher. I had a lot of uh, things on my plate as well. And then into motherhood. So we learned eventually 
that one of the key things we had to make time for and that we encourage couples to do is as you read through this book and you you think, okay, there's 31 triggers. I have 30 of these. <laughs> this is a problem. Where do I even begin? We encourage couples to take even just every other week or even once a month to start with. If you can do it weekly, that's awesome. But even just once a month, if you can come together to agree to set aside a time where you just do a little bit of a, a tune-up check on your marriage, a triggers check, so to speak. And so we encourage people, whether it's a coffee on Saturday morning for an hour or two, or after the kids go to bed um, every Sunday night, um, you know, so that you have some uninterrupted time, whatever it is, even better if it can actually be a date night where you also integrate something that's lighthearted and fun into the mix, even better. There were many, many years in our marriage where that wasn't an option just because of financially, or we lived in a town where we didn't have babysitters or family help, but we tried to make it um, work for whatever our circumstances were, but we carved out that hour or two once a month, or like I said, every other week, or even weekly to set aside that moment where we say to each other, okay, this is the time when we agree to be open to hearing what each other has to say, to be receptive and to be empathetic and compassionate toward one another. So that's the attitude we have going into this. Yeah. And I get an opportunity to mention preferably just one, one trigger, one issue that's really on my heart. And you can identify that by what's the kind of recurring thing that happens over and over and over again. Is it every time you get in the car, you have an argument? Is it every time you get the bills in the mail and somebody spent money they weren't supposed to spend or something was mishandled? Whatever that thing is that keeps recurring that you identify as one of your biggest issues, then say, I would say to Guy, okay, uh, my trigger that I'd really like to try to work on for the next month with you is our finances. Can What we're doing right now isn't working and here's some of the issues. And I've noticed that even though we have a budget for spending money, you're going over that. And I never you, do that. <laughs> <laughs> would you be willing to really take a look at this with me more clearly and carefully and agree to these terms for these reasons? And can we work on this? What's something we can do? So you're coming together to, to talk about it, to identify the problem, and then to collaborate together on some better responses so it doesn't become this trigger into this angry argument every single time. And then likewise, Guy and I, Guy can say to me, okay, you know, Amber, and, and this is true for me, you know, it's, it's just your body language. You know, you have this habit when we're talking where you do this thing and it comes across as critical the way that you look at me, the way that you, your tone of voice, and can you work on that? You know, and, and I will, I have to be willing to say, you know what, this is my opportunity to, to listen and to take it to heart and to take it seriously because we're a team and we are for each other and we want our marriage to improve. And so we're going to listen to each other. We're going to lovingly confront one another and we're going to collaborate together as a team to move forward and just take one thing at a time. Yeah, I, I, I always found that um, when Amber would talk to me about things like this in the moment or try to bring them up, I started to feel like a lion in a cage, you know, and the yeah. walls were closing in. And I'm like, I, I don't want to talk about this in front of the kids or I don't I don't appreciate, you know, you bringing this up right now. And yeah. my reaction just immediately was defensive. Right. Mm -hmm. And when Amber kind of, we decided to institute this 
in our relationship, it literally allowed us like a safe zone to enter into so that we could sit down and talk together about something when we weren't in conflict and we yes. weren't in yeah. that defensive mode. And it, it has allowed us to talk through situations that in effect get us prepared for the next time it comes up yeah. so that we don't react yeah, later. We can respond. Yeah. Just. It's like tools in our tool belt. Nobody, nobody's receptive in the middle of conflict. And in my right. first triggers book, I talk about um, parenting outside of conflict. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not ready to listen to a lecture when my emotions are heightened. I'm not very teachable in those moments. And so I can't really expect my kids to be either. And I can't expect my husband to be. So we, we agree to take a break when it starts getting a little too heated. Yeah. And then we know we need to table that conversation till we have our trigger stock. Well, Am- Amber has this wonderful quote um, that, that is, there's nothing anger can do that love can't do better. Oh yeah, and it absolutely is what that's all about. So that's if you so enter true. into the situation lovingly, you can overcome what normally would result in anger. That's such a great and practical, practical tool. If every couple would do that, I it just the way that that preserves respect in the relationship in those vulnerable moments when we 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 feel you know like guys said like a lion in a cage, we feel a little bit attacked when when our spouse is is kind of we feel corrected or disrespected. And that's not what it's about. It's about moving forward in a healthy way. And it kind of leads into the question that, that I had for the listeners and for myself as well. Like, how do you respond once you've identified a trigger? And you guys kind of already answered that in part. So I'll kind of add to it. Our, our last episode, we were talking about how to not fall in into a parent-child dynamic. And what I mean by that is when when one spouse kind of takes on this sort of corrective um, behavior or posture where where they they're talking to the other spouse almost like you would correct a, a, a child. child like yeah. this is out of bounds and 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 I'm and they take on that position of authority and the other spouse takes on the position of of being kind of the, the 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 child in that dynamic. So what's your advice on how to work through this with mutual respect as partners um, without in those moments of maybe kind of correction or pointing out things that that might be out of bounds without coming across as you know, is that that parent-child dynamic that we talked about in the last episode with keeping the mutual respect uh, front and center. Inflation is out of control and it just seems like money flies out the window. I look at our account daily and I'm just like, where does this money go? And you're probably the same way. And that's why I'm really excited about a new ad partner we have called Rocket Money. This is an app that helps you in real time see exactly where your money is going. And even more importantly, they'll help you identify and cancel subscriptions that you're not using. On average, they're saving their users $720 a year. I didn't think I had any subscriptions we weren't using, but this is what happens. You sign up for a a free subscription to something, you're not using it, and that free subscription runs out. You're paying five or ten bucks a month for the rest of your life until you cancel it. Rocket Money helped us identify it get that under control, and save a bundle right from the start. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscription, guys. That's half a billion bucks. You need to get your share of that. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions today by going to rocketmoney.com slash naked. That's rocketmoney.com slash N-A-K-E-D. Start saving money today. I love 
learning. I know that sounds nerdy and dorky, but I just love learning. I love understanding history and how things fit together and what's happening in the world. But if you're like me, you're busy and it's hard to learn. It can be expensive to learn. Maybe you want to keep learning and growing. You're like, I don't know how to fit that into my schedule. I got the perfect solution for you. And it's Hillsdale College. Hillsdale College is a world-class accredited university that's offering some of their core courses for free. I mean, absolutely free. They're just wanting to spread knowledge here. I'm telling you, it sounds too good to be true, but it really is true. They're making it possible for you to learn about world economics and things like ancient Christianity, which I highly recommend. It's an 11 lecture course where you study the inspiring stories of Christ and his apostles and the faithful ones throughout the first centuries of Christianity, plus learning the the basics of Christian apologetics. And guys, you can do this for free. I'm so excited about what Hillsdale does. I love their commitment to faith and values, and you can take part in this by going to hillsdale.edu slash naked to enroll at no cost. And it's easy to get started. It's H-I-L-L-S-D-A-L-E dot E-D-U slash N-A-K-E-D to register. That's hillsdale.edu slash naked. Well, I I do think that those times where you have them set aside outside of conflict to come together mutually with respect and a sensitivity to each other's needs and concerns is critical. It's so, so key. But Guy and I talk about really this idea of serving one another In the book, throughout the book, we talk about ways that you can serve each other. And I think that service, um, the root of that really is a sense of humility. And when you are humble, there's no need to overtake somebody else's feelings, their, their thoughts, their input. You really think of yourself as a desire to bless and honor your spouse. And so... Romans 12, 10 says, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Mm-hmm. And so again, if you're feeling like you are the child and this other person is the parent, it's important to come together and express that and say, look, this feels domineering. It feels authoritative mm-hmm. when really we should be a, a team and that we're equal in so many ways, our value toward one another and being able to have that conversation and then pinpoint, you know, what are those instances where that's, where that rises up? You know, is it um, in conversations just throughout the week or is there a certain situation where you have those feelings come up and what can you do to both of you alleviate that? But this idea in Romans 12 <laughs> about outdoing one another and showing honor Um, That's really, I think, foundational for Guy and I, because when Guy and I were really struggling early on, um, I would have been really hard pressed to show him honor. I would have been really hard pressed to verbalize the things about him that I appreciated and valued. And we became a lot like, you know, roommates or just kind of revolving around each other, kind of Mm -hmm. co-parenting so to speak. And I remember thinking to myself, well, at some point, you know, we'll just get to a point where our kids are grown and we can kind of move on with our lives. And then I felt, sensed the Holy Spirit say to me, yeah, 
sure. You, you could just be roommates and just try to be at peace and try to not cause any more arguing. But that's not the life I came to give you. I came to give you life to the full. Right. And I designed marriage to be a beautiful picture of my love for you. So for you to just kind of make peace and get through it is is not okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I was really convicted by that. And so as I began to just pour into, Lord, what do you have for us? This verse about showing each other brotherly affection and outdoing each other and showing honor to one another, I began to realize that, you know, my spouse's sin did not justify my sin. Right. It didn't matter a thing about whatever guy did or didn't do in our relationship. It had to start with me. This is not about fixing the triggers so that I'm not triggered anymore or fixing my husband. This had to be about me being humble, serving him, and looking for ways I could outdo him in showing him honor. And the foundation of all of that is because Jesus came to live a life of service for me and to die on the cross for my sin. And so my life is not my own. I, I am dead to myself. And as an act of love to the Lord, I am called to be humble and to lovingly serve my husband. And so the minute I began to make a list instead, mentally I would circulate all the things my husband was doing wrong, all the ways he would trigger me. And when I started shifting that mindset to, all right, today I'm just going to jot down in my journal two things about Guy that made me fall in love with him in the first place, two things that I appreciate about him, two ways I know he shows me love, even though I'm not looking at them as ways he's showing me love currently. I do know this is the way that he shows me that he loves me. And just jotting those things down. And then eventually um, the Lord just began to soften my heart toward him. And it became much more about, Amber, what do you need to do to respond instead of react? And so... I had to work on that attitude mindset toward Guy. And at that point then, we no longer became these fighting people where I'm the parent, you know, telling him the kid what to do and vice versa. Right. My yeah. goal was to outdo him in showing him honor. Yeah, and and I, you know, <clears throat> I had mentioned earlier about how I got caught up in the, in the early days, the early years of our marriage, just falling into parenting very quickly and not having that foundation of a relationship with Amber. I think for me, I, I forgot... Going into year two or three, I forgot that we were friends and what oh, yeah. what that meant for us. And I remember the zinger that Amber used at the end of an argument one day, where we had <laughs> we had we had kind of fixed things at least temporarily. And I said, "Honey, you know, I I just want you to know that I, I love you." And she was still very sad because of what what had happened. And she said, "I know you love me, but do you like me?" Mm-hmm. And that just stuck with me because yeah. it was like. It was like that friendship that was missing in our relationship. What a and great question. It caused, yeah, it, it just caused me, I mean, look, this is like 11 years later and it's still something that's stuck with me. I, I think I, I think it's in the book, but um, it's one of those things that I think about a lot in the middle of, of those arguments. Like I, I, I need to make sure that I'm likable, but that my wife does like me and that we have a friendship that is the foundation of, of our marriage. You know, our kids are watching and the tools that we give them now as parents and as a married couple is what they're going to grow to remember and is going to be the foundation for their relationships in the future. So I have to remember if they see Amber and I as best friends, laughing together, playing together, dealing with conflict in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a great way that is healing, um, then that's going to set them up for success versus the opposite 
I don't want them to learn that the way that we fix problems is to yell at each other and slam doors and walk out of the room and not heal. Um, and, and so that becomes and, and we don't very want important. them to think that I'm parenting him or he's parenting me. Right. Um, we yeah. are their parents and we are an equal team where we communicate in healthy ways from a place of humility and love. That's huge. That That's so huge. And you know, you're right. I mean, our kids, we say that all the time, like the greatest gift we could ever give our children is them seeing two parents who love each other and refuse to give up on each other. And like you said, yeah. work through, because it's not like we're not going to ha- ever have conflict. I mean, we're two different people. We're in an imperfect world. We're going to have conflict, but it's like working through it in a healthy way. It really, it does help our kids kind of see what a healthy marriage really looks like and what a loving marriage really looks like. Yeah, that's so true. And you guys are given so many great tools to help couples get there. We're we're to the time in our episode, and I love this time, where we we bring in a, a, live, a, a real question from one of our listeners, a question that was submitted at nakedmarriagepodcast.com. And so Guy and Amber, we're going to keep you on the line and read this question. And we would love your feedback um, for this particular couple in light of the marriage triggers conversation of how we can maybe help them out. So here is this week's question. It says, hi, my husband and I have been going through what I'd call an extreme rough patch for quite some time now. We are a blended family and have three kids, two girls from his previous marriage, and we have one boy together. He has a lot of stress at work, so that doesn't help at home either. Our fights escalate into him getting extremely angry and yelling, and it happens in front of our kids often. I've begged him to go to counseling, and he flat out refuses because he doesn't think that I will change, and he's been to counseling before with his previous marriage, so he thinks he knows what the counselor will say. I'm so lost. I pray constantly that God will fix our marriage, but I'm losing hope at this point. I don't want his yelling to continue in front of our children. So it sounds like whatever triggers he has, whether they're coming from work or just kind of a, a lot of us men do have kind of anger related triggers where anger either is the result of a trigger or anger sometimes itself is the trigger um, in how we respond to stress. And it's creating this unhealthy dynamic in the home that's creating a, you know, a, a not peaceful environment for the kids and maybe not the right example for the kids of what a marriage should look like. So kind of in light of our conversation today, what would you, what would you encourage this, this wife to do as a first step when he doesn't seem willing to go to counseling at this point? Um, and it, what would you encourage her to do? We'll just leave it at that. Yeah, you know, um, Amber, um, one of the chapters, uh, Amber talks about this, um, that we need to have a me first attitude. And, and that, it's not what it seems. It's not that uh, I should get what I want first and I should always, um, you know, have that as my priority. It's about changing me first. I, I can't, I feel like I can't change Amber, but I know that what I can do is I can change my attitude and I can um, really work on those things myself without the expectation that Amber's going to change knowing that if, if I work on myself first and I'm honoring God with who I am and how I respond and how I deal with situations, that eventually um, Amber is going to see that and be affected by that and come mm-hmm. around herself. So I think that's a starting point for us. Is, is that something that is very, very important? Yeah, well, you know, and it, we're not saying at all that this is easy and that it's not painful. Um, it's very painful to die to yourself. And it's very painful to be on the receiving end of somebody else's sin. Our sin never just affects ourselves. Mm -hmm. There's a ripple effect where our sin impacts others. And the good news is this world is not our home, that we have the hope of heaven to look forward to. And I can't wait for that day. But while we're here, we're going to be in some very 
painful circumstances at times. And my heart really goes out to that listener because um, I know the pain that some of the spouses that are listening to this message now are going through. And, and they say, look, we're in this situation where we're the only one who cares. Right. My spouse won't go to counseling. They won't um, discuss these things with me. And, and Guy is right. I think foundationally, it starts with that me first attitude. You know, in Matthew, it talks about you know, do, do to others as you, you would have them do to you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and your neighbor as yourself. There are no um, disclaimers there, unfortunately. There's no disclaimer that says, um, well, if they're nailing you to a cross, then you don't have to love and forgive them. And actually we love Jesus because he first loved us while we were still sinners. So we're, we know we're asking hard things here, but we do believe that having that me first attitude means, all right, I wish my husband would help around the house more, but you know what? I'm gonna have a me first attitude. I'm gonna be first to clean, to do the dishes. I'm gonna be first to, when I'm exhausted at the end of the day, um, and I just came home from a long day at work and my wife is is you know managing a, a colicky baby, I'm gonna be the first one to delay my rest to give her rest, having that me first attitude. And I, I don't think we can ever underestimate the power of prayer. Um, right, I know that sometimes yes. it can take a long time and it feels like the story is over and there's no hope. And yet that's really never the case in God's economy. He, he has no um, specific timeline that says, if you've been praying this long and doing the right thing this long, then there's no hope. Um, mm -hmm. We believe that by having that me first attitude, by putting on love and doing what is right yourself, that the blessings that will come your way um, really ripple into eternity. But we also believe that it's really hard to be loved unconditionally and to be loved well and for that not to have an impact on you. So we believe that when a spouse continues to do the right thing themselves, goes to counseling themselves, gets good counsel from godly pastors and, and counselors and mentors themselves, and then continues to do what is right on their end, um, that the Lord will direct your steps. And we do believe that we'll see a shift in that marriage uh, a lot of the time we'll see the Lord do what he does best. Um, but as long as, as both of you are entering into these triggered reactions perpetually, um, that's when it's really gonna, um, you know, there's gonna be a lot of uh, more conflict and problems that arise from that. So we just encourage people to not give up praying, to not give up having the me first attitude and really to trust and have hopeful expectation that nothing is too hard for the Lord. I love that. That's so true because, you know, so many times we want to change our spouse, but we just don't have that power. We don't, you know, and thank God we don't because God, you know, He sees the full picture and, and it's hard for us to come out of our own feelings and, and, and how we're feeling in that moment and what we want to do to change our spouse, but God knows exactly what needs to change. And so, yes, I... I reiterate, reiterate what Amber and Guy have both said about just, you know, hanging in there, keep getting prayer. And I love, Amber, what you said about, you know, maybe he won't go to counseling with this wife right now, but maybe she can go to counseling. She can go to Christian counseling. Right. And, you know, mm -hmm. when we go to counseling, and Dave and I talk about this all the time, 
it's such a, it's, it's like another person in your corner who can not only be praying for you, but also give you new perspectives to think about, give you verses that maybe you're gonna read in a whole new light that, that apply to your life that you can really cling to in this hard season. And so I just wanna reiterate that for that person listening who is, you know, the wife specifically who wrote this, but also those who are listening who are in this dynamic, to not lose hope, to know that God sees you in this, in this really frustrating moment. And, and there's always hope in the Lord and to keep on saying, those prayers, keep on reading those books, just like marriage marriage triggers, and and go get the counsel and um, and just you know being as practical as not retaliating. I think so many times when someone comes in the room and they're just yelling at us. I mean, we're human beings. We want to we want to yell right back. You know, we're angry because it, it's jarring. But if we can be prayed up before you know the husband comes home and just say, Lord, help me respond in a calm manner and do that. And maybe even have the kids, if he tends to do this right when he gets home, have the kids in another room so they don't have to kind of be taking that mm-hmm. um, anger right away if you know that that's a habit he has. And then in, when you respond in a calm way and just say, hey, I can tell you've had a rough day. Like, can I can I make you some coffee or, you know, what what can I do to help you, you know, feel a little bit better because I can tell that you're you're angry from your day. It's really hard to stay angry at somebody who's asking how they can help us. I mean, it's just human right. nature. Right. So yeah. I just want to encourage the wife in that. And y'all, I would love to keep on talking about this, but we're gonna have to to let you guys go. But listeners, Get your hands on Marriage Triggers. It's such a great book. It's available wherever books are sold. And uh, Amber and Guy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, Ashley. It's been our pleasure. We're praying for every listener. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And I just want to reiterate that, uh, that Guy and Amber are, are the real deal. Follow them on social media. That's Guy and Amber, L-I-A, Leah. And the subtitle of the book, which I love, it says, Marriage Triggers, Exchanging Spouses' Angry Reactions for Gentle Biblical Responses. And man, just imagine how your marriage could look different if we would do that. So thanks again, Guy and Amber, for all you do. Listeners, pick up that book and please uh, subscribe and leave a review here on this podcast. Help others discover uh, the, the free content that we're putting out here on the Naked Marriage Podcast. And we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you taking this time to invest in your marriage. And we will see you next time. Bye, guys.